Look, up on the slopes. What is that? Well, it looks like a pair of cross-country skiers going downhill. No, it must be some alpine skiers with broken bindings. Wait, on closer inspection, it's... Those Telly Guys. All right, welcome to Those Telly Guys. This week on the cast, we're talking COVID-19 lockdowns, resort shutdowns, Mount Lofty snow reports, and perfect partners in the backcountry. Somehow, in the midst of all the chaos, Mount Buller has flown under the radar and stayed open. Tonight, as ever, I'm joined by Rich and also Ferg. How are we, lads? Good, thanks, Morgs. Good, thanks, Rich. Uh, thanks for having me back on again. Good to, good to be back on. Yes, Morgs, I'm very well, thanks. And I'm, I'm very happy to have our friend Sam here. Did you enjoy the, the song that we made you last week, Sam, while you were in the desert? Uh, I did, actually. And, yeah, I've been locked... Oh, not locked away, but in the desert for a couple of weeks, out of out of service. So, it was it was it brought a tear to my eye when I listened to it. I need to uh, get that recording off you so I can send it to my mum as well. So, <laughs> yeah. if you could send that through, that'd be good. <laughs> yeah, it was it was very um very accurate yeah. of how how the feelings are at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, we yeah, had two things there. I'd no need to send it to your mum because no doubt she's a huge fan of the show already. And um, that's true. <laughs> and we were hoping to get a bit of a snow report from Mount Lofty, if that's possible at all. Yep, uh, I drove over the top today. Can report. I had to double check, but uh, zero, zero centimeters. Yeah, the rope toes will not be started up uh, this week. Maybe, maybe mid August. Depends if the hemp rope comes in. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, and. Morgs, what's been making news recently? This is the Belgong Bulletin. Uh, well, news is obviously Metropolitan Melbourne is locked down. All hopes and dreams of, of anyone in Melbourne or in, in or around Melbourne um, going skiing have been completely dashed for the time being. And yeah, that's been reflected in Falls Creek and Hotham pulling the pin or Vail pulling the pin rather on um, their respective ski seasons for. Uh, the foreseeable future thoughts. Yeah, it, uh, we kind of alluded to this last week and released a show after the fact. But, um, you know, if we were looking into a crystal ball, we were correct in one regard, but wrong in the other. Of course, Mount Buller, which we were quite sure was going to close, remained open. And that, that's quite interesting. Uh, and I'm glad they did. That's It's really cool. But there's certain things people are saying now that maybe those people that are stuck in Melbourne that have a pass will not be able to get a refund because Buller is staying open. And as their pass stipulates, if the resort is open, then we will not be giving a refund. Unlike Vale, who just handed out a bunch of refunds. So, we're lucky in that regard. Um, I don't know. Do you guys know anyone that has a pass on Buller? Are you talking specifically about the Icon pass or would people still be buying just the Mount I yeah the season pass so I imagined the icon pass is an extended feature of a normal season pass or maybe it's similar to the epic I haven't really looked at that ever being that Falls Creek is just up the road for me yeah it's it's similar to the epic because it's I can't remember the name of the company that owns or that has the icon pass but basically they own Mount Buller and they own Threadbow so if you have the icon you can ski it uh, Buller and Threadbow and then a range of resorts around the world as well I know that. Um, like Winter Park in Colorado, that's sort of one of the, the main locations of the Icon Pass. 
but yeah, uh, no, I wasn't aware of that, Rich, and that is that is quite cheeky. Very cheeky. What do you think, Ferg? Uh, no, I don't know anyone that has a season pass at Mount Pula. I don't know why I'd want to either. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> Um, it is uh, it is interesting though that they've stayed open and Falls and Hotham have shut down. Whether whether it's uh, money with any money has anything to do with it or what, but I guess um, you know Vale's just trying to do the right thing, perhaps. And you know it's tough to call it the wrong decision. Yeah. And so yeah, may whether you know, Bull's decisions right or not. That's another tough call because I think they were saying I've seen things where the mountain they did it to preserve the mountain culture and yeah the people that obviously live up there they rely on the season and same with the the families that move up there for the seasonal jobs yeah it's just another interesting interesting thing I think at the end of the day they're all just um, they're all just businesses right like if you know it, it would have to just come down to financial viability and I'm you know, it makes you wonder, I guess, the fact that this winter has been poor on the snow front, at least in Victoria up until now. If if there had been, you know, say, 150 to 200 centimetre base or something by now, would they still be making the same decision? I'd say probably because I think if, if Vale thinks that they're going to lose money by staying open and trying to run ski season, then they probably just, yeah, they would have made the same decision. Uh, time and time again, and I think ultimately the, the lockdown in Melbourne really informed that decision. You mentioned snow there, and Perisher and Threadbow and the main range certainly got dumped on by this terrific southeast system that swept across the ocean and dumped a whole bunch of moisture on that part of our Alps, but uh, Falls Creek and Mount Hotham did not get a skerrick. Which is, which is quite sad for all of us down here. But good on you, New South Wales. It seems like Vale also control the, the weather and have sent a whole bunch to Perisher, which is, of course, owned by Vale as well. That is something that I might have made up. I might need to check with Jonathan Pollock on that. Is there any truth to that at all, fellas? It would be rude of us not to speculate that, uh, that Vale... Um, have somehow employed uh, NASA to develop some sort of weather-controlling machine like on many sort of dystopian science fiction films where they somehow manage to, you know, re reverse the effects of climate change or something and uh, send a whole bunch of precipitation to wherever they like it. So, I mean, of course, of course, that's what... Um, we're going to say. Well, it, it sounds like whoever, the, whoever <laughs> they got to uh, send the snow... They bought some uh, second-grade snow because it wasn't the nice, dry stuff that you get at Mount Hotham. It was the wet, heavy stuff by all reports. So they didn't didn't quite get the get the fine fine powder. Yeah, I think that's because of COVID. A lot of things are taking a while to get to Australia. You know, everything in the mail is certainly delayed, and the powder they ordered has certainly got damaged on the way, which is unfortunate. But it at least adds a very good amount to a base which uh, they didn't really have, so that's good news. Yes, yeah, 70 centimetres you can't complain about. Absolutely. Even, even if it's wet, wet choss, you'd be, you'd be loving anything at this point. Absolutely. Um, I'll just mention the mailbag quickly. You've got mail. Uh, pleasantly surprising. Thanks for everyone that have written in. I've done my best to respond in a timely matter, whether it be on Instagram or on the Gmail account. 
Uh, I thought there'd be one to mention considering our conversations around uh, emergency devices and the ability to really get a call out quickly to the SES or p- the police search and rescue. And Annie Crow had written in and explained that the parks in New South Wales allow you to make a deposit and rent out a PLB to take with you on your trip. And Morgs and I certainly put in our two bobs worth last week, Ferg. But what do you reckon? Is it something that you would consider buying in the future to take with you on backcountry trips? Um, interesting that, yeah, you, I heard you guys talking about that. But I, I have one, actually, um, a personal locator beacon, which I've used for sea kayaking trips in the past. And during the last sort of um, two years, 24 months, that I was living up in the northeast and doing a lot of ski touring, um, I rarely, I rarely took it out with me. I think a couple of times, maybe on Bogong, but yeah, because I guess I was tra- traveling in groups and I knew that there was mobile reception fairly close. I think um, a lot of the times it, it didn't actually make it in, but I think ideally I'd fit it in every time. But you know, with the amount of stuff that you end up taking, it sometimes gets the back seat. So I, I feel safer with one for sure. Um, but I think, yeah, you got to know what else is around you. Like if there's mobile reception pretty close by then, or you are in mobile reception, then that can be sort of just as good, I feel. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cheers for your thoughts there, Ferg. And it's certainly an interesting one that parks are, um, allowing people to make a deposit and rent one out effectively. And I just hope that people aren't taking these, though, and replacing the the necessary time it takes to learn the craft of navigation and and knowledge of place to be to know that you're safe and, and to feel like you're confident in those sort of alpine environments and not just hoping that the button will save you and if, you, if shit hits the fan, essentially. But I guess it's a good segue into our show, which is, what makes the perfect partner? And, of course, we're talking about what makes the perfect partner in the backcountry, things that we look for in people that we're touring with that are kind of contributes to, I guess, maybe the safety or uh, learning about a new place or even just having fun with someone. So, so I'm, I'm happy to kind of start us off here, fellas. And uh, one thing I really look for, I guess, when I'm going out with people is gear. I'm certainly interested to know what other people have, whether they're on telemark stuff um, or the downhill or split boarding. And I want to know the quality of that gear as well. And and I'm not just talking about maybe the craft, but also what they're wearing. You know, is their equipment going to last the extremes of, say, windy conditions? Because I did hear a story a few years ago about a horrific crossing over to Cleve Coal where one fellow was wearing, I guess, um, overpants from Ray's Outdoors, which is a maybe a, a place you could buy cheaper things, and the pants were just ripped straight off his legs. Which maybe it kind of makes me ask if he got them from somewhere else. To be honest, like a triple X store or something like that. But <laughs> or the cling wrap aisle in the supermarket. In any case, the, his gear didn't stand up to the test of time, and I guess I want to know if their gear is going to hold up when I'm I'm with them. Um, what do you guys think? 
I think equipment is, um, yeah, super important, Rich. Uh, I think for sure, yeah, you want, yeah, it is, it, like you say, it is interesting to find out what other, like, method of travel, I suppose, they're taking into the backcountry if we're talking about skiing in, in particular. But I mean, this, I guess, some of these things. Uh, branch out to outside of skiing it might just be bushwalking or rock climbing or some other sort of um, outdoor activity yeah uh, yeah like it's interesting to see other people on tele gear or on alpine touring gear or they might be snowshoeing with a snowboard um, and yeah you want to make sure that you know they're not on uh, like really old rickety looking uh, equipment that that might uh, break if you ski down some lines or something in the backcountry but then yeah also other things like you know safety equipment you know like your Gore-Tex jacket and your your Gore-Tex pants etc you want to make sure that you're not going to have to potentially cover for them I guess if you're out there and something goes wrong and, and they need uh, they need some some assistance what I would look for in a partner is what are their objectives of this backcountry like are they are they wanting to learn to ski or are they wanting to ski the steep stuff um, and steep and gnarly stuff and to establish that earlier and uh, even if you don't agree on objectives um, then at least have an idea of what the other person wants so uh, whether uh, if you know that the person's not up for skiing the steep stuff make sure that yeah you I guess keep to the or you go into the trip knowing you're not going to ski the steep stuff um, and then you'll enjoy yourself on the on the mellow stuff. So um, I guess have an idea of what the other person wants and then make sure you're all good with that and you can rest easy with that. And obviously if you're the one going on a trip with someone wants to ski the, ski, ski the steep stuff, make sure uh, they know that you don't want to. And so maybe you can come up with a bit of a plan for that and meet them at the bottom of after they ski their steep line and you can ski the mellow line. Yeah, that's a really good one. I guess it's super important at this point in time with so many people wanting to get into backcountry skiing and and buying equipment, maybe lacking a bit of knowledge. And it's super important, like you said, to state your objective. So, if you're someone that is looking to get out there, like I was, you know, a few years ago, I certainly made my objective clear that I'm just, you know, willing to... um, watch other people, learn the craft, learn the environment and get the necessary skills I need to get out there and have a fun but a a safe time. And those people that I did state those objectives to were more than happy to take me up to somewhere like Bogong, which is a playground I go to often, being so close to home. And they, they showed me around and we, you know, we talked about, like Morg said last week, not dropping in together and so on, all the, the right things to do, the right etiquette to do in the backcountry. Um, another thing I think to look for in a, a partner or someone that you're going into the backcountry with is uh, experience. So, yeah, like you said, uh, Rich, uh, when you think back to the times when you were sort of getting into it and likewise for myself, you know, a couple of years ago when I was starting to venture out, into the backcountry more and more sort of for the first time like obviously I was lacking in experience and I still you know there's still I still have a lot a lot to learn and a lot of experience to gain I think in that regard but yeah you want to you want to make sure that you surround yourself I suppose with people that do uh, have experience and knowledge about um, about safety in the backcountry and yeah about particular areas having having a good um, 
like Mount Bogong, like you say, is one of the places that I've skied in the backcountry probably the most often in my life so far. And so, you know, I think I have a, a, um, get, I have a reasonable knowledge of that area so that, you know, uh, you, you kind of know which, which aspects might, might be icy at a particular time or what other things might affect, might affect the environment around there or maybe you, you sort of might just um, have a little bit of tacit knowledge on uh, how to navigate your way around if the visibility is poor. Um, other things like that can, can all come in with, with experience and knowledge. Yeah, and I suppose that, I suppose in, if you don't have that sort of local knowledge, you could always chat chat to a local or try and find a local to join you or while you're out there just on the skin track, just chatting to a local and um, I guess finding out some, some local beta as we're using the climbing um, and yeah, get a better idea of maybe where's good on a certain day or where's not so good and and maybe that's maybe you'll see have those conversations in the hut later on as well um, it can be a good way of getting getting all the local beta as well and finding out where to go in certain snow conditions oh speaking of sitting in a hut and and having conversations that's a good link to my next point is maybe uh the camaraderie or you know to put it in uh, more than one word the ability to have a hut conversation because often you could get stuck in in bad weather if you're on a multiple day trip and you might just sit around in a hut or even at the campsite and you know those can be long days if you're stuck in a tent with someone that doesn't talk essentially <laughs> or maybe they're just not willing to drink um, a whole bunch of cheap wine out of a ski pole, you know. You need those sort of things in your life. Yeah, I think, uh, and going with that, maybe it's the ability of the ski partner to haul up more alcohol than you. Maybe that that's also an important fact. And you, or maybe you lie at the parking lot and say you've got a carton of beer in and that they should equally bring up a carton of beer, but you've only got a six-pack in. That's that's what a good ski partner would do. We're certainly not suggesting that you should binge drink in the backcountry. In fact, <laughs> I, I think we should suggest quite the opposite. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, uh, drink responsibly in the backcountry. In fact, just drink responsibly at all times is probably a, a greater take-home message. We're just trying to say it's good to have a bit of fun if you're, if you're stuck up there, um, whether it be having a cheeky glass of Shiraz out of a bag or whether it be playing a, a few card games, whatever it is. But um, I want to know that I'm going up there and I'm going to be able to have a good time skiing and a good time just hanging out. That's important yeah. for me. Dice of the Andes, that's important. Oh, yes, Perudo, very important. Well, speaking of wine, Rich, food and drink, is your backcountry partner going to be willing to put in the quarter slab of a wheel of camembert? Are they going to be willing Ooh. to put in the fine whiskey rather than the $10 Band Rock Station red wine? Are they going to be willing to pack salami instead of tuna? Well, even the double-coated Tim Tams that you expressed love for <laughs> in an earlier episode, will they be making it? I think it's a big one, yeah, if uh, contribution to food, is uh, certainly a great uh, thing to get involved with and certainly a good talking point too. 
not only the contribution to food, but also, I guess, the desire to assist with cooking. And 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 I get that people do their own thing and they, they make their own meals, and I've, I've certainly done that a lot myself, and it's easier sometimes that way. But um, if you're all in a group meal, it's it's good to help. And I, you know, remember one situation where three of us, we're all in on the meals and, and two of us were doing all the cooking and the cleaning and it was a, a week-long trip and that got pretty old while the other just slept in the hut. So, yeah, so I think it's pretty important that, you know, you contribute to food if you're on a big trip like that and you contribute to helping out. Super important. What do we think on the uh, on the froth factor of, of your ski partner? Does it need to be there? It needs to be. It needs be there but it, 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 there's like a um there's probably like a line graph like you need to flatten the curve of the frost factor i would say much like we need to to flatten the curve of uh the spread of COVID 19 uh during this global pandemic so you know you you don't want so low of a frost factor that um that your partner is going to have a drooping uh upside down smile the whole time while you're out there skiing and <laughs> you know just shedding tears at the sight of any um you know, awesome snow to ski. But you also don't want them to be frothing so hard that they're going to drop in switch on Telemark skis into like, um, you know, Tombstone or something on, on Mount Bogong. So, you know, there, there's, a, there's a fine line. You, you only want a certain amount of froth to exist, I think, in answer to your question, too. The Jack Russell. You don't want the Jack Russell running off the lead <laughs> too, too often. The Jack Russell doing a double press down Avalanche Gully. <laughs> And then having to boot back all the way back up. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> no, I think you're right. It's it's definitely good to have the froth fact there. And for anyone overseas that's listening, um, if you're a bit confused by that, the the froth factor is, I guess, simply, oh, how do you explain it, Ferg? The ability to be excited about certain things, or you know, the yep. stoke level. Yeah, to, the stoke. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if stoke, oh, that that oh, this is another kettle of fish. If I guess Stoke is, um, uh, yeah, let's just say it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, the same thing. <laughs> but- <laughs> oh, we can. We can diverge them, can't we? They can I be. Don't, I don't know. Can you? <laughs> that, could be, that could be the next episode, the, uh, the Australian Backcountry Dictionary. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The, the, the pie floater. Uh, um, that's that's something that's found in the cleave cold toilet. <laughs> <laughs> another another serious one that I have actually, if I can jump in again, is I'm not going to say you you just want to pick people that are uh, that are fit, but I I would say you want to pick someone that has a similar level of physical fitness to yourself because. Like, A, you don't want to go with someone who's much less fit than you, maybe, because, um, you know, that might become a bit boring for you. But then you also don't want to go with someone who's much more fit than you. I guess that's the same thing, but just the shoe on the other foot. Uh, Yeah, I guess you want to pick someone that, yeah, maybe is is a similar level of fitness to yourself. Yeah, no, I think that is a thing, Morgs, but I think it's all about what we talked about earlier in terms of stating your objectives and maybe your intention. So, I guess uh, another serious one I have is safety in the backcountry. Um, I want to know that my partners that I'm skiing with have the ability 
to help me out in a certain situation. And of course, I want those situations to be avoided, but some are uh, not foreseeable. And I want my partners to have a pretty cool level head and be able to assist me in the best way possible to um, get me out of a, a sticky situation, whether that be um, doing following the right protocol to get emergency services um, to us or whether it be just making me comfortable uh, for a period of time um, before such emergency services get to me. And and that's that's always something I kind of think about before going down any terrain too. Uh, of course, my ability is always something to restrict me from ever doing something challenging. Um, but also, it is peace of mind to know that like skiing with you two, that if I uh, had a, a binding break or something and I hurt myself, that you would be able to assist me um, and it and it would be a, a very swift and, I guess, efficient way of uh, responding and I'd be okay. Yeah, and even just knowledge of um, like basic first aid or something, um, you know, I'm sure that, yeah, anyone with sort of some sort of first aid training would, you know, understand like what Rich is talking about if he, if he somehow um, became injured in the backcountry that, you know, you, you would be looking to sort of keep him warm and make sure he's okay, you know, doing all the, the first aid kind of things while you're waiting for um, professional help or volunteer help to arrive. To yeah, and I suppose that all ties into nearly everything we've just discussed. Like, does the partner have... Uh, local knowledge and do they know where phone reception is, what rescue services are available, um, you know, exit, uh, how to get out off the mountain quickly or out of the area quickly. Uh, yeah, do they have fit, good fitness and all those things can sort of tie into, um, yeah, help your partner helping you, uh, yeah, get out of a sticky situation, as you, as you said. All right. Uh, anyone, anyone got anything else that they look for in the perfect partner? Uh, look, Morgs, I think there is a lot of things that we could keep rambling on about there and uh, apologies to the listeners if it does sound like that. But Ferg's actually hit me up before the show and he's got something he'd like to share that's not related to the perfect partner and uh, we might hear from him if that's okay, Ferg. Sure. That's uh, it's just a bit of general mountain mountain news that um, has been going around on uh, Facebook recently. That's about the North Face. A few North Face athletes went over to the uh, western faces of the main range and uh, did some skiing over there. And one of them is a known tele skier in Tim McCartney Snape, who's also an Australian mountaineer. And I believe he. Well, I've heard him talk about the story of him summiting Everest in his Telemark ski boots. Um, I think the story goes that they stashed their equipment at the bottom of a mountain, of bottom of Everest, um, in a Bergschrund. Um, there was a storm came in, buried all their mountaineering gear, and so all he had was his, and including his mountaineering boots, um, and so. He all he had was his Telemark ski boots that he uses on his mountaineering trips to go skiing when the when they can't climb, um, and so he's the legend of Australian mountains and skiing and mountaineering. And so um, I'm excited for I guess that video to come out. Not sure how long it is or um, how in depth it is, and yeah, that looks exciting. They 
um, heading over to the western faces of the main range, which is some pretty gnarly, well-documented, pretty gnarly terrain, which I've never skied before, which, um, but it'd be something that I'd be keen to get out and see. Have you guys skied out that way before at all? No, I haven't ventured into the main range other than, for skiing anyway, other than our trip last year to Perisher, being so close to the Victorian Alps. We've said for the last three years, myself and Brenny, that we're going to go do a tour there, but we've always just get lured back into the mountains right next to our doorstep. But yes, I'm pretty keen to check them out. And that film, I've seen a little ad for it. It looks really, really cool. And if not anything, I think it's going to be fantastic to kind of showcase the rest of the world that we do have, you know, real alpine terrain. Uh, a bleat maybe not as large as some others, but the terrain in terms of gradient is is serious. And it does sound like from a little sound bite in that little trailer that there's a Kiwi fellow, I'm not sure who it is, is uh, quite surprised and taken aback by the mountains on offer here, which is which is awesome because we've discussed this in previous episodes, people often saying that, you know, when we're on international travels, people saying that, you know, Australia doesn't have snow. Oh, you're Australians, you know, you, you don't have snow, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we do. We have terrain. Um, like anywhere in the world, you need to pick your weather days and you, for the best snow. And when you're in the backcountry, you can certainly get these incredible lines. So, I'm really keen to see it. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't done a lot in the New South Wales backcountry and – yeah, I too am also interested. I, I've spent uh, I've spent a reasonable amount of time um, in in the New South Wales main range, uh, not during winter. I've done several bushwalks up there at uh, various times, and I have been ski touring a few times there as well. One of those times was actually on uh, New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. I can't remember which with with Ferg, uh, and we managed to ski. We we parked our car and at uh, Charlotte Pass and all hiked up there on New Year's Eve with our skis and there were lots to of... Seaman's Seaman's Hut? Yeah, to Seaman's Hut. And there was lots of <laughs> lots of questions being asked by members of the general public, which was probably uh, justly so, but uh, the, the, the most common question being asked was, are, are you guys going skiing? Uh, which I thought the answer was fairly obvious given that we were carrying skis. And there was there was snow. Yeah, we got a bit of a ski in next to um, Mount Tate or something, wasn't it? Yeah, in between Cozzy and Mount Tate. Some little drift in there that was still left behind. Yes, and New Year's Day or even New Year's Eve being the in the midst of our summer. So that obviously was a fantastic snow year to be skiing at that time of the year. And you're on the, uh, the free heel equipment, I'm assuming, of course. Always. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Well, I'm just conscious of time here. And Morgan, I think you said you had a song there. By, by chance, I think I think I can see the kazoo next to you. Are you planning on busting out a bit of a, a solo here? Or what's, what's going on here? All right, ladies and gentlemen. This is Songs for the Free Heroes. All right. Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, now we'll... Uh, I'll tell a lie, Richard. This one, for once, is actually pre-recorded as all my other songs have been live in the studio um, on site and uh, impromptu. But this one, I've, I've been really getting into the song Get Set by Taxi Ride lately and I've been really enjoying the the acapella part of um, 
the chorus of that song. And I've also recently discovered that my iPhone has GarageBand in which you can record uh, many layers of your own voice singing. So I've been messing around with that today. So, yeah, this song is uh, obviously a rip-off, a, sp- a spin-off of that, uh, of that particular song from the 90s. And it's about, uh, yeah, getting people to come skiing in the backcountry with you because uh, there is no skiing to be done at False Creek, no lift-assisted skiing to be done at False Creek and Mount Hoffman due to COVID-19. Let's hear it. One, <laughs> two, three, four. Ah, I'll set the scene, COVID-19. We should be at Hotham or at False Creek. I'll find a place for us to ski alone here in the depths of our winter that is in Mount Buller. Get back. Everybody, we're on our way to Bogong. Get packed, everybody. We're on our way to Bogong. When I will ski. Put on your skins, let's elevate, piss off your nice goggles, they're gonna break you sweating as you climb the spur, you reach the top, you're ready to drop in, but you forgot your ski gloves, get packed, everybody, we're on our way to Bogong, get packed, everybody, you can't go back. To the car But once you're a cleave Go Well done, Morgs Delivering as per Thanks. usual I believe you're up next week, Ferg For songs for the Yields. Is it going to be a bit of Adele Rolling in the deep by chance? Maybe it will Maybe it will Reliving the Japan times that time, that time I brought the karaoke bar to its knees. Yeah, I think um, EA means, wow, you're an incredible singer. So, yeah. <laughs> you certainly had a lot of people saying that and yeah. it was incredible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In fact, the whole karaoke machine got turned off, I think. <laughs> I don't know why. It just stopped randomly. Yeah, as they say when a, a smash hit arrives on the internet or whatnot, you broke the karaoke <laughs> machine. So, uh, thanks, Ferg, for coming on. It's been a long time waiting, and uh, hopefully, it's it's not as long next time. Yeah, no, I'll see you guys in like three years once coronavirus clears up. You're not going to like jump jump in, um, you know, someone's trailer or in the boot of someone's car and just just try and smuggle across the border or something well apparently the train is the way to do it some people got on the train that was going from victoria to wa and got caught in adelaide on a freight train really yeah well it's not it's not the way to do it if they got caught though (laughs) yeah no yeah but you're talking about they're literally like jumping on the trains obviously carrying just goods to other cities and whatnot yeah like just on a carriage and then they got caught that's incredible that's like you know uh, railway hustlers back in the day 
it sounds like it's straight out of some you know civil war era american film doesn't it it was some like it was just three random people maybe that was just after some some warm weather over in western australia uh anyway thanks for getting me back on lads yes and looking forward to hopefully some spring skiing missions up somewhere maybe the western faces of the main range yeah all my eggs are in the spring skiing basket at the moment and to be fair, even though I live right next to the mountains, mine are also in that basket because there is <laughs> about two centimetres of snow on the ground. And I can't go to New South Wales, even though you're far away. We're kind of in the same situation anyway, so if that's any comfort for you. What about your chickens' eggs? Are they, are they laying rich? Uh, they are. They would debate that their eggs are in different baskets. Obviously, not skiers <laughs> at all. Their hand is kind of being forced for our benefit, to be honest, or their wing, I should say. But. Maybe you should make a basket label, labelled spring and winter and see which ones they put their eggs in. Fantastic idea. That's how we'll be making all of our decisions. The chickens in my backyard are now the oracle for winter predictions. Yeah, it's like the octopus that predicted who would win the Soccer World Cup or something <laughs> yeah. in 2006. And you can tag Vale, you can tag vale Resorts in it as well. Yeah, just be like... Will it snow tonight? Yes or no? Okay. Very good. Um, well, I, I hope that everyone is just as excited to see what the chickens predict as I am. But in, until the next exciting episode, thank you very much, Morgan and Fergs, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, see fellas. See you later. See ya. Ciao. Catch you. Bye. Hooroo. Those telly guys hope you have enjoyed this program. We'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch at thosetelleguys at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe for more fun episodes. Otherwise, you can find us on Instagram. Thank you. <laughs>